Hello, it's uh, Sunday the 25th of September. Welcome to Farringdon Local on Farringdon Radio. I've got quite a lot on the show today, so it'll be uh, even less talking from me. I'm sure that pleases one or two people. Uh, I've got to our first track, uh, Amy's Ghost. We played uh, Amy's Ghost a couple of times now. We're one of our favourites here. And here's a charity single that'll be uh, officially released on the 1st of October. It's called Peaceful Sleepers. It's all from the Motor Neuron Disease Association. So Amy's Ghost with Peaceful Sleepers. I think it's wonderful. Long time coming I'm so tired of running Oh, 
that's uh, Amy's Ghost, uh, a band from Reading. I've uh, seen them a couple of times now, and uh, unfortunately, just looking at their website, they don't seem to be having any more gigs lined up for a while, which is a shame, but um, helps them concentrate on putting the new album together, which is uh, where they're putting all their efforts at the moment. Um, okay, to our uh, first interview, we've got uh, Joe Moore. A few of you will know him as a music teacher from the Farringdon Junior School, but I've been interviewing him uh, about the Cotswold Voices, uh, a group or is that the right term a, a, well if it is it's a huge group anyway of about 70 odd people um, choral group uh, which he manages uh, or in a very friendly way dictatorially leads uh, and they are looking for volunteers which uh, will come through in the interview but um, have a listen to this interview anyway because I think uh, they're producing some very interesting music if you go onto their website afterwards and have a listen to them but here's an interview with Joe Moore so I'm here with uh, Joe Moore, who's the musical director of the Cotswold Voices uh, organisation or group that's been going there for about 18 months, um, playing around the Cotswolds area, hence the title, the name. Um, so Joe, can you just tell me a bit more about the history behind the Cotswold Voices, about, about how you got it off the ground and what, what sparked what sparked you getting the idea off the ground? Of course. Uh, yes, hello. Um, the Cotswold Voices got going in January um, 2010, so about a year and a half ago. Um, I think the idea behind it was I, w I wanted to create um, a really um, enjoyable, fun um, activity for adults to do mm -hmm. um, in the evenings. Um, I've previously worked on children's choirs and really enjoyed um, working with children, um, singing and, and arranging music for mm. children to sing. Um, and I wanted to try my hand really with adults. I'd never taught adults before. Right. I'd worked okay. with children at school. And are they more difficult? So or are they easier or more, more more pliable? It's completely different. I don't think it's. Uh, I think in a lot of musically, I think it's easier um, because you can get through perhaps more. Yeah. Um, certainly with the teenage choirs, you, you end up sort of having to wait for the text to be to be done yeah, before yeah, you, yeah, before yeah, you uh, yeah, continue. Yeah. But no, with adults, it's uh, it's it's different. Um, but it's absolutely yeah. I I love both. I love working with children, obviously. Um, yeah, sure. But also, yeah. um, I've really, really, really got a lot out of um, working with adults as well. Um, so yeah. And how, and how do you how have you promoted it? And how have you how's it grown then? Because you, I think it's now about 70, 80 members. That's you've right. Got, yes. Which needs a big room, I presume. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, well, we rehearse to to fit that number of people. We rehearse in a hall in um, Langford. Um, mm -hmm. where um, there's, there's certainly enough space for, for that number of people. Um, and uh, we kind of started off with around 20 or 30 for the first rehearsal. And it just sure. grew really word of mouth, um, people knowing people. Mm -hmm. um, also, um, we set up a website um, which helped promote it. Um, as soon as you start doing any kind of live performances, um, you start attracting people sure um, yeah. and certainly after our first performance which was only after about three or four months um, people were starting to hear about us yeah, and, yeah. and we performed in the Farringdon Arts Festival after only about five months or so quite yeah well, um, that's a good, that's a and, good uh, event to perform at, exactly it? Yeah. so it gave us exposure yeah and yeah. Uh, took it from there really and now it's just people turning up um, pretty much every week um, uh, and do people need to read music to join? I mean, are you looking for them? If it's 70 or 80, are you case of, we're always looking for new members or uh, we vet them a bit more now because we've got enough members or no, how does it work? No, I think, I mean, the important thing is we want to keep it fun and we yeah. want to keep it enjoyable. Um, I've tried to, I think, try to keep the balance between it being musically serious mm. enough for people to enjoy it. Sure. Um, 
both to listen to and to perform in, mm. um, to challenge those people who are good singers if they want to join us, mm -hmm. but also to cater for people who just want to have a bit of fun. Sure. Um, and I think, I think we've got the balance just right at the moment. I think the material that we do as well helps that mm. because although it's pop music essentially, we're yeah. a pop choir yeah. that we perform, it's done in a kind of choral, intricate way mm. that appeals to perhaps say, uh, more serious scenes. Um, but uh, yeah, um, it's, it's, it's certainly something that, that everyone can enjoy and, and uh, take part in. But you said earlier that people don't necessarily need to read music no, to do it. Not at all. There's no auditions required. There's right, no okay. sheet music um, reading. It's all completely um, by ear. So each part is, I, I will teach each uh, section of the choir right. their part, yeah. um, parrot fashion, if you like. Really? They sing it back, they learn it, they memorize it. Um, so every song um, has been internalized right, by okay. every member of the choir. That's um, a very time consuming. I mean, so what you're saying, you, you do split it as a choir would be, you know, the bass, the baritone, yeah, the right. sopranos, and all yeah. those groups. Usually five parts. Yeah. Five parts, and each part has a specific line, line to sing. Yeah, for a whole part, song. Throughout yeah. the whole song. And you, go, and you teach that group yeah. that line yeah. personally. Yeah. You take them to one side and... Well, it's, <clears> it's yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's, we've sped up in the way we learn songs. Probably now we can learn a, an average song in two weeks wow. um, yeah. as a choir. Yeah. Um, yeah. Usually, you know, if I was to teach the bass part, their part, um, it would take maybe five minutes mm. to teach them the first section, maybe the verse or the chorus section. Yeah. Uh, but then the other parts often lend their, their parts are similar to the bass part or Right. same rhythm or same yeah. sort of melody line yeah. and therefore you can if they're listening whilst the bass they pick is up, up what's they can come pick up way. and actually yeah. you build it up and you just yeah. layer it up yeah. and eventually the parts are layered up and right. uh, then you move on to the next section of the yeah. song and is it all it's great fun uh, I mean, is, it, is it music accompany or is it literally just vocals uh, no usually n most of them I play the piano and right. accompany um, right. but a handful of them we do a cappella. yeah um, but usually they're learnt with the piano and sure. then we take the piano away okay. as they become more confident. Yeah, yeah. So what's in your repertoire then? What songs, you say it's all pop songs. Yeah. Um, I assume the ones we're going to know, are they? Absolutely. We try and do stuff that basically is going to cater for the age group and the sort of the pe sort of people who are going to join the choir. Um, and it's quite nice now. At the start we had a lot of females and only a handful of males. And now the balance of the sound is fantastic. We have some. Yeah. So a lot of more blokes, so the bass and tennis section is, is, is bigger. Right. Um, but certainly, yeah, we, we cater, take that, we've got ABBA, um, we do, we're doing REM, Man on the Moon, mm. um, we've done the Communards, you know, so a whole, whole range, uh, some serious, some fun. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, you also have to think about, if you're going to do performances, you've got to think about what, what would appeal to, sure. to yeah. the listeners. Um, but when you decide to, uh, when you wouldn't, I, I get the feeling you choose sort of your. That's right. Like yeah. all, all good musical organisations <laughs> is a dictator at the front. Uh, a benign, friendly so. dictator, though. Uh, I hope so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but when you, when you choose the music, you decide, well, we're going to do this song. Obviously, some, most of them are, are pop songs, therefore, it's usually a vocal and some musical instruments. And you're stripping that away and saying you're effectively re replacing musical instruments exactly. by the different. Yeah. So, how do you decide, right, the bass line is going to be, the soprano line will be, but. On this song, it will be the baritone that will sing, or the soprano will sing the main. How do you decide? How does that work out? Or do you, do you just you're humming it in the cars, you're listening to it, you think, 
Well, this is how I'm going to do that. Or... Absolutely. I mean, everything that I arrange is done by listening to the original track. Mm. Um, listening to what what's the hooks, what are the main appeal of that song. Sure, yeah. Um, so, for example, we've done Beach Boys, Help Me Rhonda, for example, and there's a great bass line in that that's played on the bass guitar sure. that we just replicated with words Really. Um, for the bass part of the, of, you know... Of oh, right, so you've taken some words from the song and made that into um, the bass line. Yeah. Uh, have you so added some words? Have you... Uh, we rarely add extra new, brand new words, no. but it would be words that were within used the song, from, sure, within yeah. the song. Yeah. Um, so that's one technique. Um, another technique is to actually have non-words, you know, ahs, oohs, yeah, sure. whack, whack, we ooze, yeah. whatever, yeah. Um, to accompany the main melody, right. and then often the melody might have a harmony line or whatever. Um, depending on who takes the tune, well, it depends. Uh, tenors quite often take the tune because they're quite loud, quite strong group, mm. um, and they can sing quite high for, for, for blokes. Mm. Um, so they can bring the tune out, even though everybody else is powering out their parts, the, the tenors will Soar above through. it. Yeah. Um, other times you want a higher tune, so you yeah. might go for the you know the top sopranos or the or the or the altos maybe. Yeah. Um, basses rarely get the tune less than, but no, you know no, they, yeah. they 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 I try and make their parts as interesting as possible. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so it just develops from there, um, and I work all the parts out on the piano, um, right. layer them all up, learn them myself, yeah. and then teach them the next week. Right. Um, okay. And I try and choose songs now. I'm trying to choose songs that um, aren't, wouldn't you wouldn't associate with a choir doing. Right. I th- initially, I sort of went for you know ABBA, take that, yeah, which yeah. I thought you know you can. There's harmonies in those songs. Yeah. yeah. They're they're going to be brilliant yeah. done in a choir, but probably lots of choirs have done those kind of mm. stuff. Um, but then doing lots of something like REM, Man on the Moon, mm. that's which a classic song. That's it's, a great it's a brilliant song, it? song great yeah. tune. Um, and actually, it's got the yeah yeah yeahs, which yeah. are very gospel yeah. um, in the in the verses. Um, I just thought, let's try something that you wouldn't associate with the choir, but actually would work well, mm. and everyone knows the song as well. You can't choose too many obscure album tracks, yeah, otherwise yeah. people are going to go, don't know this one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that's what I think we're trying to move towards, those sorts of songs. So you perform about six, seven times a year or something? Yes, or probably on average yeah. now. I mean, we've only been going a year and a half, but the, every term we try and do maybe a couple of concerts towards sure. the end of each term. Okay. So it gives us something to work towards. What are you working towards at the moment? What's coming up? Where Christmas. Oh, right. <laughs> See, that, that's the next... Oh, God, dear, man. Christmas, oh, dear. It's Which is September. a bit sad. I know. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I know. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. So where is that? Where are you going to be performing? Well, the aim is um, we've got... I think we've got one... Um, certainly we've got one... No, we've got a November um, Remembrance concert we're doing before Christmas. Um, which will be in the All Saints Church in Farringdon. Okay. Um, and then we are doing a big kind of showing showing us off to our best, hopefully, mm. um, concerts in Farringdon Junior School mm-hmm. using the stage. And oh, wow, well, that's a good stage, isn't it? Um, yeah. And the sound certainly will be great in there. Yeah. Um, that, we're going to have a, I think it's going to be called Christmas with the Cotswold Voices, mm-hmm. uh, where we're going to have a nice sort of intimate feeling, uh, Christmassy feeling, yeah. do some Christmas songs as well as all our back catalogue if you like yeah, we've probably we... got about 12 10 yeah 12 songs now that we can do right um which um well you know if you did them back to back it would last at least an hour yeah have we got a date for that yet or um the penciled in date is not confirmed yet it's the second of december it's a friday right. friday okay. well that sounds great that sounds good so yeah that's yeah. the next so each week each term we sort of put pencil in projects like mm. that um and 
usually um, that this one will be no different we always try and do a concert for charity so mm. each time we perform whatever we make from the concert is donated to a charity of our choice mm. um, we've done stuff for Macmillan and I think um, we're going to do one for the NSPCC yeah. that's the Christmas one so yeah. um, it's really nice to be able to do those and know that what we're doing as well is, is is, is helping and sure yeah that sounds great that sounds wonderful so if everyone wants to get in touch with you mm. what's the best way to do is it through your website presumably? definitely yeah. yeah um the website is www.thecotswoldvoices.com okay. and on there um the, all the details for how you can contact me my phone number uh email address right. and so yeah. on and as i said anyone can join we yeah. are always looking for new members yeah. and um there's no previous um experience needed if you like singing in the shower or in the car, then you're probably, our choir is probably the, the yeah, choir for you. That's great. That's and, great. Uh, and, and, and yeah, just come along. We, we, we offer free taster session. If you mm. don't like it, you don't have to come yeah, again. Great. Like all right. Well, thanks for coming to talk to us and Not at all. good luck for the future. Really thanks appreciate sure. that. Thank you. If you want to find out a little bit more about the Cotswold Voices, maybe find out where uh, they're next performing, um, the website is thecotswoldvoices.com. Uh, unfortunately, I, I can't play any tracks that uh, that Joe and the Cotswold Voices perform because it's all covers material, and I don't do covers on Farringdon Radio. But what I do have, very pleased to have, Joe sent me a couple of tracks from a piece of work he's working on um, called the Yearn the Yearning. Um, you can get access to this again through the Cotswold Voices website um, and buy the CD. Well, I think he's actually in the process of uh, uh, doing some more work with it. Uh, I think he's got a record deal and things are looking very positive in that area. And hopefully, maybe towards the end of this year or beginning of next year, when it's a fully, fully completed piece of work, uh, he'll be able to come back to us and talk to us about that again. But here's a track anyway uh, from The Yearning. I suppose it helps if I name it. This is called Whole Hut. All hung upon you. My mama told me I should stay away from you. She said that boys like you would break my heart in two. Oh, I'm up on you, baby. Oh, I'm up on you. 
upon you by the yearning which is uh, a project that uh, joe moore is working on and uh, and hopefully uh, later this year we'll be able to get joe in again talk to a bit more about that and go into a bit more depth about what he's doing there a fantastic piece of music and if you listen to the other tracks uh, that you can get access to from the cotswold voices website um you'll see, you'll see what wonderful piece of music is i think he's been working on it for a couple of years now but you'll definitely see uh, all the where all the effort has gone Anyway, uh, my helicopter is full of eels. Um, but next we've got Steve Mundy, who's going to be talking about um, solar pallet heating. I thought this would be an interesting subject to look at, as uh, obviously financial pockets are tight these days, and uh, any way to uh, protect ourselves against inflation with uh, heating, etc., is always useful. So I thought I'd get in touch with somebody. And uh, Steve came along to Farringdon Radio, Studio B, and uh, here's our interview with Steve, who will tell us all about um, how you can save money and even make money with by putting those um, panels on your roof. And with Steve Mundy from SMC Solar Limited, uh, who runs a company installing solar-powered uh, panels that people just, many of us seen on, on work roofs around the area. Um, and Steve, just really just interested really in the, the whole subject matter, obviously with the financial, you know, people's pockets are tight these days and uh, energy prices just seem to go up, occasionally drop down a little bit then go back up again. So I think it's a very hot topic, if that's the right pun to use, really. So, what, so what's the background of all this? How, how did you get into it for a start? I, I got into this because I'm essentially an electrician, okay. uh, and because it's dealing with electricity, the, the work is it has to be done by electricians. Mm. Although a lot of the work, obviously, is on the roof. It's essentially roof work. Sure. Um, yeah. the, port, the, the important part, the part that is regulated, is, is the connection to your electricity supply. Right. Therefore, generally, it'll be an electrician that is in the lead with this type of work. And you were saying, just before we started recording, that actually things have changed in the last few years, and the idea of heating up pipes on your roof just for hot water, that's not what you do, and that's quite an old system now, isn't it? That's fading out or That's, or that's right. I, I don't do the water systems. No. Uh, Solar-heated water was, was in vogue until about 18 months ago. Mm -hmm. It was one of the more financially beneficial ways uh, of, of using natural resources. Since the feed-in tariff scheme started a year last April, mm -hmm. by which you get paid huge amounts of money for just generating electricity on your roof, sure. then all of a sudden the, the financial viability of putting solar panels on your roof, electric solar panels, yeah. it became more, more, more viable. And now, now it's not worth doing the, the solar water heating, it is worth doing the, the solar PV. So that's the key thing, really, isn't it? The fact that it's not just providing you with your own electricity, which therefore your own electricity bill will obviously disappear, but the fact that it's actually generating money as well, isn't it? And how, how does that aspect work then? It's, it's simple, but it's complicated to understand at the first hearing. Um, there are three ways of making money out of this. Okay. Uh, firstly, there's this thing called a feed-in tariff, and you mm -hmm. might have read about that and seen it elsewhere in the media. The feed-in tariff is currently at 43.3 pence uh, per unit of electricity. And that is for every unit of electricity that your system makes. So if you have a typical roof that might be making, say, 3,000 units of electricity per year, uh, then you will get paid 43.3 pence times 3,000 just for making that electricity. Right. So that's irrelevant whether you give it back to the, the, the grid, the national grid, or whether you use it. That's just the fact that the meter shows you've generated that amount of electricity, you'll be paid for that. That's right. That's and right. who actually pays you for that? Your, your electricity supplier will pay you that. Okay. So whoever right. you happen okay. to be registered with, 
uh, they they will pay that okay. to you. Okay, so that's phase so one. So you're getting paid that. that that's, yeah. the, that's the largest amount of the benefit mm -hmm. is this feed-in tariff. The second benefit to you is that having produced all this electricity, you will now try and use as much of that as possible. Right. Um, and typically a house will use 75 to 85% of what they've made. So if you say have made 3,000 units on your roof, you might actually use two to two and a half thousand of those units yourself. Mm, okay. Now that is two thousand units that you're no longer buying in. Your your existing meter that you pay your bills on mm. is now going to clock up two thousand units less each year. Right. And therefore okay. your electricity bill will will drop by that much. Well, that's a big saving in itself. That is really, a huge saving in itself. I sound like I sound like a salesman myself already, <laughs> don't I? <laughs> and the third, the third um, smaller element, or the smallest element of the three ways in which you actually benefit, is that the the extra thousand units, if you like, that you haven't used, you actually export that. The whole thing is linked to your your, your meter. It's linked mm -hmm. to the grid, so you're actually exporting that back to the grid, uh, and you get paid for what you export. Mm -hmm. So you get a third uh, tranche of money through that. Mm. Now that actually is, is quite a small amount compared with the feed-in tariff and the amount sure. you reduced your bill okay. by. So all in all, these three sources of benefit uh, total to an amount which actually gives you, uh, in the order of 15%, rate of financial return mm. on your investment. Okay. And the third bit, what did you, sorry, did you say how much you get back when you sell it back to the, the electricity company? They pay you three pence per three unit pence. that you export. And that's, okay. remember, this is on top of the 43.3 sure. pence yeah. you've got for making it. You're yeah. still getting another three pence just, just for sticking it back into the grid. And how much would it cost, typically, to have a house fitted out with uh, the appropriate amount of kit and typically, you know, to, to look after a house? Typically, um, the ideal to, to aim for is to get four kilowatts mm -hmm. uh, on, on your roof if your roof is big enough. Sure. And that is going to cost um, around £12,500. Right, okay. But any system, if you have a smaller roof, uh, typically a system above two kilowatts um, is worth doing. Mm. So you might be able to get an installation for six and a half to £7,000. Right, okay. And then there are a few people, I guess, who actually got a big roof but just don't want a big system, yes, uh, yeah. and, and therefore they might might go for something in the order of two kilowatts, um, just to suit their budget, or yeah. maybe uh, retired people who just don't actually use much electricity uh, might choose not to have such a large system. So the optimum financially is to go for four kilowatts, right. um, but smaller systems are equally sensible and viable. And how quickly does it take to have the system fitted up, put on the roof, and it's connected up? It's amazingly quick. Uh, it's a day. It's one day really? wow. um, for the actual main installation work. Yeah. It, the practicalities are that we always use a proper safe scaffolding. So mm. the scaffolders come the day before yeah, yeah. Uh, and the scaffolders will therefore come back again the day after to mm. take the scaffolding away. Oh, right. So the whole, the whole operation is really spread over three days. But mm. the main installation, the roof work and the, uh, the electrical work, it'll all be done in one day. And how is it actually fitted to the roof then? There's some little hooks that effectively screw onto the rafters, right, so, so okay. we, we push the, uh, the tiles just up out of the way, screw these hooks onto the rafters and pull the tiles back, mm -hmm. so the integrity of the roof isn't compromised at all, the, the, right. all the tiles and all the roof. What if we had one of those hurricanes which we almost had that came over from America the other day that 
didn't totally get to us, but was very close to it. I was. Well, he resisted that. Was he? Hung I was, on. I was waiting for my phone to start ringing the morning yeah. after those wins last week, um, thinking I was going to have lots of phone calls from my customers complaining that the solar panels were in the next door neighbour's garden. Yeah. Uh, there were no phone calls, no. of course. No, the brackets are designed to resist the wind. Yeah. Um, for yeah. instance, if you look at any solar panels that have been installed on neighbours' houses, you'll always see the panels are set in. Um, by about a foot from each edge right. and that is all about preventing or reducing the amount of uplift you get when, yeah. the, when the wind yeah. gets under them. Okay. So the, the whole system is designed uh, to stay put and not get blown off. But what about different weather conditions? I mean people who say you know solar heating in, in, in Britain slightly questionable but uh, I think we are beyond that we know that but what about snow if there was a heavy snow when that was blocked out is that a case of, well, yeah, in those few days we are going to lose it all? No, it's amazing. Um, and then we, we had heavy snows around Farringdon last winter, as mm, we know. Yeah, yeah. And I had just installed my own uh, installation at home. And I went out and looked at my panels with about eight inches of snow on them. And they were still producing electricity. Um, so oh, yeah. the, the snow so doesn't actually The work. sun got through the snow then? Uh, yeah, so I mean, without going into the detailed physics yeah, and, yeah. And, and, yeah. and spectrometry of, of what's going on with the light, the, the, the light that matters gets through the snow. Right. And the same is the case um, on a dull, cloudy day, or mm. even late at night when it's almost dark, um, the system will still be ticking over. What is not happening is that it is not producing quite as much as electricity. So on a cloudy day, it might only produce half of what it would on a, mm. on a fully sunny day. Sure, yeah. But yeah. the important thing is the system is still working. You're still going to get something out mm. of it. And this produces enough electricity to do all the things normal. I mean, I just think you know, the amount of electricity needed to go to, to generate a, a cooker, you know, it's quite powerful, isn't it? And it generates enough to run the whole, an ordinary whole house then? No, no, it doesn't. I mean, when, when we talk about a four kilowatt system, yeah. that is saying that when the sun is shining, that system will only produce four kilowatts at most. Right. Now, a cooker, as an example that you just gave me, yeah. um, might be rated at 30 or even 40 amps. Right, okay. Um, four kilowatts is 16 amps, so you're only... Yeah. If you had all the rings and on, on a cooker and the oven going, um, the solar panels would only produce half of what you need. Right. And you'd be end up um, importing, yeah. using um, the, the, your ordinary supply. But only at that time? Yes. Right. Um, typically, a kettle, a three kilowatt kettle, would be matched to your panels. Yeah. Um, so you have to look, not to, don't look at individual appliances. Sure. And think, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm now connecting that to the panels. You just have to look at the, the total system and say this system is providing me with 300 units a year. Right. That is 300 units, sorry, 3,000 units yeah. less that I'm now going to use in my house. I oh, I get that now. I understand. Right, okay. And just w one final thing. Obviously, um, you know, a lot of nice houses around here. I've just seen some photographs of some very nice houses prop with the, the panels on. Um, planning permission. Is planning permission an issue? No, there's normally no requirement for planning permission. If you're in a, a, a grade one or grade two listed building, you would right. have to ask for permission. Right, okay. Well, thanks for your time there, and uh, good luck for the future with your, with your business. Sounds like a, a very hot business, as we say over here. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, as you can see there, there's potential there for not only saving money, but even making a few pounds as well. Uh, if you're willing to look in the long term and you're interested in the environment, obviously, that's a, a key feature there. Um, there's a link on our website to uh, Steve Mundy's company, but obviously... Uh, we're not here just to do an advert. There are a number of companies out there who obviously provide a similar service, but uh, I think Steve will give us a, a very good insight there anyway.
Anyway, uh, I want to keep the program as short as possible. I think uh, we've uh, gone a little bit longer, so I won't be doing a roundup of what's going on at the moment. Uh, but we'll go to our, uh, our last piece of music. Uh, here's a band. I'm not too sure if I'm going to pronounce it correctly, actually. They contacted me and said, uh, would I be interested in playing some of their music? Um, I think they're called New <laughs> Nudie Bronco. I don't know if that's the right word. N-U-D-Y-B-R-O-N-Q-U-E. Nudie, nudie Bronco? I've, I've no idea. Maybe they might get in touch with me and tell me how to pronounce their name properly. Uh, anyway, here's a track of theirs uh, called... Uh, and what's it called? I don't want... Oh. Yeah, a little bit of research. Uh, I don't want your problem from Nudie Bronco. Oh, I love that call. See you in a couple of weeks' time. again I used to think that not so much had changed I was wrong but I know we're still young oh, you and me that doesn't even matter There's a whole load of opinion waiting to spill And all the kids with their heads held in the clouds